0: We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath.
1: I got to talk fast because I'm not used to being this high without my parachute. (laughs) Besides, this horse is due back on the merry-go-round by 11 o'clock. I'll tell you the truth, there's only one guy in the world I'd do this for. And he just happens to be the nicest guy there is. And I want to bring him out now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Wayne. You sure do sit a horse well. I can't tell you how happy I am to have you on the show.
0: Pal. Well, I can't tell you how glad I am to be here. Me? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I sure want to thank you for getting me such a good horse.
1: Well, that ain't no ordinary horse, pal. I don't say that horse was a zebra before the white knight went by, you know. <laughs> I'm working
0: on a western right now with Kirk Douglas, and I sure wish you were with us.
1: Now I gotta give up westerns. It's too hard to read the cue cards when I'm galloping
0: along. <laughs> Don't give me that, Dean. We've made two westerns together, and you never missed a line.
1: Don't let this get out, pal, but I was writing Mr. Ed, and he never missed a line. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Duke, of all the pictures you've ever
0: made, what's your favorite? Well, the one I had taken last week with Marisa, my eight-month-old daughter. Oh,
1: well, that's nice, though, you know. <coughs> I think it's, well, you, you having all those kids, and
0: especially now having a new little baby, I'm, I'm proud of you, Duke. Well, I'm proud of you, too, Dean. You know, you've got seven... You haven't exactly been sitting around staring at walls, either.
1: Well, well, Duke, everybody you know seems to love you, and let me ask you something. They all want to know, here you are, one of the biggest stars in the whole world, been making pictures for 37 years, got a spanking new daughter. Now, what do you want for her, Duke?
0: Well, uh, same as any parent wants, I guess. I'd just like to stick around long enough to see she gets started right. I'd like her to know some of the values that we knew as kids, some of those values that too many people these days are thinking are old-fashioned. Most all, I want her to be grateful as I am every day of my life to live in these United States. I know it may sound a little corny, but the first thing my daughter's learning from me is the Lord's Prayer and some of the psalms. And I really don't care if she ever memorizes the Gettysburg Address just so long as she understands it. And since little girls are seldom called upon to defend their country, she may never have to raise her hand for that oath But I certainly want her to respect all those who do. I guess uh, that's about what I want for my daughter, Dean. I'm proud to know you, Duke.
2: Some of the values that too many people think are old-fashioned, John Wayne said, I want my daughter to be grateful as I am every day of my life to live in these United States. That was a clip from the Dean Martin Show uh, with John Wayne great American legend. You know, yesterday we remembered here on the show the 15th anniversary of 9-11, and I just couldn't think of a better way to start today's show, because no matter what we've been through as a country or where we're going or what we're facing, the sun is going to rise again tomorrow, and we have to remember how blessed we are to live in the greatest nation on earth and how important it is that we instill in our children and their children a love for country and freedom and liberty and justice for all. You're listening to The Frittle Show. This is KVXL, Experience Liberty Radio, 101.1 FM coming to you live from Studio B at Liberty Baptist Church. We're located at 6501 Westlake Mead Boulevard. If you'd like to join us for our Liberty Strong Conference that uh, continues tonight and tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here at the church, or you can also uh, stream that online, uh, just go to uh, libertybaptistmedia.com and you can watch the service there. It's been a, It's been a a really good conference so far. I think it would be a blessing to you if you are able to join us. Uh, if you want to be part of this program, you can email radio at experienceliberty.com or call us at 702 647 4522. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at The Frittle. Here's a fun fact that most people don't know, apparently. I didn't realize that most people don't know this one, but I guess I don't mention it enough. Uh, while I spend most of my social media time on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook. You want to find my public page, which is... Oh, are you ready? The Frittle. That That's it! On Facebook. It's The Friddle on Facebook as well if you are more of a Facebooker. And uh, we're going to try to start putting more up on that Facebook page. People keep asking me to go to Facebook Live more often... Apparently, I would need to update my iOS in my phone in order to be able to do that, and my phone does not have the memory capability. So, unless you would like to invest in a new iPhone for Crystal, which she would not necessarily be opposed to, uh, then the Facebook Live thing is probably not going to be happening anytime soon. So, just an FYI on that one. But we do have some. We'll be getting some videos up on the Facebook page if you would like to. Uh, follow us on Facebook. It's uh, at The Frittle. Uh, my personal Facebook page, I uh, I use very sparingly, and it's uh, specifically populated for my family uh, back in Pennsylvania, so don't be offended if your friend requests me there and I don't accept it. It's not because I don't like you. It's just because I try to keep that Facebook very limited as to who is there. So if you want to Be friends on Facebook. Then you want to go over to my page, The Frittle. All right. So, speaking of which, if you had been on that page, you would have seen that I posted a video regarding what we would be talking about to start off the show today, and that is uh, Hillary's uh, episode at the 9/11 memorial. All right. So first off, let me just say this. Regardless of your thoughts about Hillary, I think I've I've made mine pretty clear. I. Don't care if she's a Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, Elephant Party, Donkey Party. I don't care. Pick a party. Put her in it. Doesn't matter to me. Bottom line is, I, if someone I think should be in prison, then I don't think they should be running for president, period, the end. So I don't think that Hillary should be running for president as is. Now, that said, uh, we always wish the best and good health to any one of our public servants, and Hillary has been a public servant and is in the process of attempting to become uh, our, our, our greatest leader uh, on the U.S. stage. So how uh, we wish her well and we pray for her health. But let us talk about the issue of her health. Okay, so she's, she's at the 9-11 memorial on September 11th uh, talking to families, uh consoling individuals and then she is is taken away earlier than expected. She's standing on the curb. There's a video of this incident. You can see her clearly wobble and then uh Secret Service or whomever is there with her is trying to assist her and she basically looks like she falls off the sidewalk uh and has to be helped into the van. She passed out. You can or something something went down and it was not good she collapsed. And if they hadn't been holding her, she would have fallen on the ground. Now, at first, the Clinton campaign was like, oh, this is no big deal. She was just overheated. And uh, we took her to Chelsea's apartment, and it's all good now. Well, if you're you're that overheated, you're probably going to be experiencing some severe cramping. You're likely, you know, maybe... I'm, I'm not a doctor, but probably going to be needing some fluids that may not be at your child's apartment. So, even the mainstream media, they were, they were not buying this. So, it went from overheating to heat stroke. Oh, actually, by the way, she has pneumonia and she's had it since Friday. Then, yesterday, okay, so it's, it's walking pneumonia, but she's on antibiotics. Because everyone's like, "Well, how are you out in public with pneumonia? You're kissing babies and taking pictures with people. Pneumonia's not, not contagious." I Meaning the double negative, so it is. And I think that if we're supposed to believe now, based on this little incident, that the infamous cough is nothing more than simply basic allergies. Uh, it's all seeming kind of fishy. I mean, look, this is the person who lied to the entire country about the deaths of four Americans. This is the person who defended a child rapist and laughed about it. Do you really think she and her team are above lying to you and I about the state of her health? I don't think so. But okay, the question that I have been being asked a lot, especially yesterday, is does or should her state of health or or lack thereof disqualify her? The simple answer to that question is no. It doesn't disqualify her from running for the office of the president. The Constitution actually has uh, very few qualifications, really, for who may run for office. So, ready? We'll review. All right. there's only a few things. He or she must be a natural-born citizen of the United States... Hillary qualifies there. Must be at least 35 years old. Got that one. And must have been living in the United States for at least 14 years. That's it. Doesn't say anything about health. Doesn't say say anything about who may run or not run beyond that. Now, it does have a few other limitations and requirements on... uh, how many terms can be served after uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was about to be elected to his fourth consecutive term during the 1944 election, then Republican nominee Thomas Dewey pushed for an amendment that would limit presidents to two terms uh Roosevelt then, of course, went on to win the fourth term, died in the office the following year, and in 1947, three years later, Republican-controlled Congress approved the 22nd Amendment, which limits the president to two terms. That was then ratified in 1951. But there's nothing in the Constitution about a president later on becoming first lady, or first man, or whatever we're going to call Bill Clinton if Hillary gets elected. Uh, um... If someone serves more than two years as president who was not elected, like Lyndon B. Johnson, then they can only be re-elected once. This doesn't apply uh, in this case. And then, of course, uh, the Senate has authority to ban uh, an impeached president from running again for the presidency. So if you're impeached in your first term, the Senate can say, nope, you're done, you don't get another chance. And then there are, of course, certain traditional traits we look for in our presidential candidates. We've never elected a felon, for instance. Uh, Military experience, previous public office experience are also very common for for many presidential candidates, but there is nothing related to health or health issues in the Constitution regarding a person's uh, presidential candidacy. So yes, Hillary can continue to run even if she's laying in her sickbed on election day that does not technically disqualify her. As long as she is simply a presidential candidate, there's no legal problem with her being sick while running for office. Now, are there potential ethical problems? Sure. Should someone who appears to have a continuing worsening illness drop out of the presidential contest? I've would argue yes, but again, technically, nothing stops her from running at this point. That would be completely and entirely up to her and her campaign team if she wanted to choose to drop out. But, if she were to be elected, and these episodes continue... You know, if we reach a point where we have a president who says, well, you know, I don't remember exactly what happened because I had a concussion last week or I was sick or or whatever else, then you're looking at potential incompetency, and the Constitution does address that situation in uh, the 25th Amendment, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution, it says, "...whenever the president transmits to the president pro temp of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his, or in this case, or her, written declaration that he is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, and until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the vice president as acting president." Section four uh, continues, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments or of such other bodies as Congress may by law provide transmit to the president pro temp of the Senate and the speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So basically, what would happen is if Hillary were to be elected and she appears to be unable to fulfill the duties of her presidency uh it can it can go one of two ways: either she can herself say, "Hey, I'm not being able to do this. I transfer my power uh, uh. well they they don't actually transfer power, but then power would be transferred to the vice president." alternately, the vice president and a majority of the principal officers of the executive departments uh, or of such other body as Congress may by law provide. So essentially a a majority of the executive branch departments and the vice president say, hey, uh, and they go to the Speaker of House and say, "Um, look, the president is not being able to fill her duties because of this, this, and that. Then again, in that instance, She could be replaced and her powers transferred to the vice president, which in that case would be Tim Kaine. So, the candidacy issue her health is not a factor. The presidency issue her health could then become a factor if it is deemed that she is unable to fulfill her responsibilities. All right, now the other scenario. What do the Democrats do if something happens with Hillary prior to the election? If she either drops out or is is too sick to continue or is deemed by the party too ill to perform uh, what they believe is an effective campaign, what happens then? Well, that all depends on at what point in the election process she leaves the race. This is uh, from Fortune magazine from fortune.com i'm just going to read this to you because it's kind of confusing it's a, what happens if hillary drops out for health reasons says, to be clear, the Clinton campaign has not said anything remotely indicating that she will quit the race, nor is there evidence the incident on Sunday was related to anything other than uh, her pneumonia. The Clinton campaign says more information about the candidate's medical records will be coming soon, but there's no other undisclosed condi- closed dis- condition. The pneumonia is the extent of it. But given what's at stake, here are the rules for how the Democrats would pick another candidate. As historian John Buescher pointed out in his blog post, it's the job of the Democratic Party leadership to replace Clinton if she drops out prior to Election Day. Per the party's bylaws, this would involve the chairman calling a meeting and a majority of committee members picking someone else, Tim Kaine or Joe Biden or someone else to be the nominee. Uh... There has been reports that some DNC delegates are saying that if Hillary Clinton were to withdraw, every indication is that the committee will vote to replace her with Joe Biden and the Bernie Sanders team is scrambling. That's just a that's just a side note. Uh, so back to the article. It gets a bit more messy if a nominee dies or step down after Election Day, but prior to the time the electors, the people voters choose to convey uh, their choice for president under the Electoral College system, meet to vote for president. So if, if Hillary were to be elected on November, what is it, 8th or 9th, whatever second Tuesday is, if Hillary is elected then and then something happens between that moment and Inauguration Day in January and that, almost two-month gap there. If something were to happen in that time, then the process is still the same. The Democratic Party bigwigs pick who the new nominee would be. This outcome might be more unpredictable, however, since it would involve the choice of someone who is not on the ballot. At that point, you would have Tim Kaine is, is sworn in as vice president. I'm sorry, not sworn in, but has already been elected as vice president, so now you are you are putting someone into the position who voters are not going to have any say on whatsoever now finally if the democratic nominee dies between the time of the electoral college vote and the presidential inauguration so <laughs> there's a, a a short window between when the uh, electoral college delegates cast their their do the ceremonial we choose this person um and the actual swearing in Then the Constitution's 20th Amendment kicks in. It states that the vice president replaces a president who dies. These processes evolved as the country came to grapple with scenarios that the Founding Fathers didn't foresee. And while it's very rare for candidates to leave the race for health reasons, it's not unprecedented. During the 1972 campaign, Democratic candidate George McGovern's running mate, Thomas Eagleton, dropped out after revelations he had been hospitalized for depression and stress. The DNC then met in order to replace with peace with... Uh, replace him with the Peace Corps director, uh, Sergeant Shriver, but McGovern lost to Richard Nixon in a landslide anyway, so it really didn't end up mattering there. Um, so, bottom line, no, Hillary does not have to drop out of the race because she is ill, even if she is... Unable to perform any more campaign activities between now and election day. There is nothing in our Constitution that would prohibit her from continuing to run. Is it wise? Is it smart? I would argue on behalf of our country, no it is not. We deserve someone who is competent and fully capable of performing uh, the duties of the office of the president while they are campaigning so that we can be sure that they are healthy going into uh, the, the... the, sh- the greatest leadership position on the face of the earth. How Donald Trump uh, and many in the media are saying, hey, let's release our medical records. Others are saying, hey, you release your tax returns, we'll release our medical records, you know, back and forth, whatever. But to Donald Trump's credit, he's been very um, presidential, really, about this whole thing. His campaign asked reporters not to delve into Hillary's health issues on 9-11 in order not to take away from the solemnity and remembrance of the day. And he's said repeatedly that he doesn't take satisfaction over being right about her being ill. So, you know, credit where due. We'll give credit where due. Uh, But it is anticipated that he is going to release all of his medical records and his most recent uh, physical to the public very soon. Clearly in an effort to to paint a contrast there. So sticking with Hillary for a minute, I'm not sure if you saw this. We're gonna we'll hit on this one, then we'll take a break. But last week was a huge deal, the end of the week. Uh at the um what was it? It was the Veterans Forum, I think it was. Yeah, the Veterans Forum. So Hillary is on stage and there are images, and in these images You can clearly see that she's wearing some type of earpiece. She's got something in her ear. And everybody went crazy. Uh, If you're on social media especially, you get to see these things and just kind of chuckle. um, Or or engage in the outrage, really. It's your choice. But everyone's going, she's cheating. They're feeding her answers. She's cheating. She's cheating. That could be. It may be. It would be pretty bizarre if it was true, but especially in light of what we now know, what if, perhaps, the earpiece is not actually a cheat sheet? I mean, what if the woman simply needs a hearing aid? I mean, this is one of the rare instances in life where I'm not being sarcastic about this at all. Seriously, why would it be so incredibly shocking if Hillary Clinton needed a hearing aid? I'm not being disrespectful or political or spiteful. I'm just saying she's not exactly young, and clearly, you know, she's got walking pneumonia, she's got these coughing fits, which are quote-unquote allergies. Um, She she now said, I just saw an article this morning, I didn't have a chance to read it, but the headline, she's passed out numerous times. She told the FBI she couldn't remember being briefed on different security issues because she had a concussion. I mean, clearly, she's not perhaps the healthiest person to ever run for president. So why in the world would we think that it's not possible or even likely that she might require a hearing aid? So I'm I'm not even going to get into all the conspiracy theories on the head, um, on the earpiece issue because my personal take on that one is she probably just needs a hearing aid and that's really not that big of a deal especially in light of these other health issues and more so if you look at the fact that you know, I've said this before, if Richard Nixon had to leave the presidency over Watergate, Hillary should not be anywhere near being able to sit behind the Resolute Desk and the Oval Office. Like The two are not even comparable in extremity, and yet Nixon is this great villain of American history... But we're propping up Hillary as this as this beacon of of hope and women's rights and the future of our country. No, it shouldn't shouldn't be that way. Again, for it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with if you should be in prison, you shouldn't be running for president. So yeah, I think that if there is more underlying to this health issue, which I would not be shocked if there is, then Hillary should probably step aside. But, I would also argue that there are far greater issues here with a Hillary candidacy than even her health. To where she shouldn't even have ever been the Democratic nominee, or anyone's nominee, ever. And that's the hot take on the Hillary issue hopefully that answered your questions if you have others you can send them to me on twitter at the friddle or facebook same thing just search the friddle you'll find me it's very simple to find me online which is kind of scary but also very cool and you can listen to us 24 hours a day seven days a week at kvxl101.com it's time for us to take a break let's listen to mighty to save from hillsong we'll be back in just a minute don't go away That's Pastor Jonathan Falwell from uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. I really appreciate Pastor Jonathan and his ministry. It's a privilege to play his uh, one-on-one here on KVXL. All right, let's get to some other headlines here before I have to let you go off on your Tuesday and do the things that you do on your Tuesday. Uh, Did you miss this story over the weekend? This is from CNN Money. 5,300, over 5,000 people. Wells Fargo employees fired Over 2 million phony accounts. 5,300 employees fired from the same company for phony accounts. Everyone hates paying banking fees, but imagine paying fees on a ghost account you didn't even sign up for. That's exactly what happened to Wells Fargo customers nationwide. Last Thursday, federal regulators had Wells Fargo employees secretly created millions of unauthorized bank and credit card accounts without their customers knowing it since 2011. The phony accounts earned the bank unwarranted fees and allowed Wells Fargo employees to boost their sales figures and make more money. Wells Fargo employees secretly opened unauthorized accounts to hit sales targets and receive bonuses, said Richard Condray, director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Wells Fargo confirmed to CNN Money that it had fired 5,300 employees related to the shady behavior. Employees went so far as to create phony PIN numbers and fake email addresses to enroll customers in online banking services. The scope of the chandeliers <laughs> The scope of the scandal is shocking. An analysis conducted by a consulting firm hired by Wells Fargo concluded that bank employees opened over 1.5 million deposit accounts that may not have been authorized. The way it worked was that employees moved funds from customers' existing accounts into newly created ones without their knowledge or consent. Uh, the Consumer Protection Bureau described this practice as widespread. Customers were being charged for insufficient funds or overdraft fees because there wasn't enough money in their original accounts. Additionally, Wells Fargo employees also submitted applications for 565,000 credit card accounts without their cons- customers' knowledge or consent. Roughly 14 thousands of 14,000 of these accounts incurred over $400,000 in fees, including annual fees, interest charges, and overdraft protection fees. Consumer Protection Bureau said Wells Fargo will pay full restitution to all victims. They have agreed to pay $185 million in fines to the Consumer Protection Bureau and $5 million in refunding customers. They said, we regret and take responsibility for any instances where customers may have received a product that they did not request. Wells Fargo has the highest market valuation among any bank in America worth just north of $250 billion. That's incredible. 5,300 employees all caught doing the same thing. But what a a huge reminder of why character does matter. You know, nothing in this world can replace good character. You know, John Wooden said that character is who you are when no one is looking. You know, and it's easy to sit back and say, "Wow, that's shocking, that's insane. How could somebody do that to people? 5300 employees. I would never do that." That's probably true. You probably wouldn't. But if character is who you are when no one is looking, then the question isn't if you worked for Wells Fargo, would you create anonymous accounts to boost your sales numbers and get a raise? No, then the question becomes, who are you when no one is looking? Would your friends or your family, would they recognize you? Would you want them to recognize you? Whatever it is that you do when no one is looking. I mean, it's easy. Like I said, it's easy to point fingers and name names, but have you ever thought about ways that you might rob from your employer? Just in your time alone. I mean, your time is the most valuable thing that you have, and in essence, you sell your time to your employer. And whether you think they value your time as highly as they should, how do you spend it? Are you only working when your boss is looking over your shoulder? And do you spend more time talking to your co-workers than actually doing your job? I mean, how's, how's your character doing? Who are you when no one is looking? Your character, is it good? Does it need some improvement? Something to think about today. And since this show has been pretty much just not amusing in any way whatsoever thus far we have to talk about something that makes me laugh so real headline okay this is this is a fact sarcasm has been banned in north korea this is this is an actual thing i would not that i thought that i could ever survive in north korea before but now it is confirmed crystal would be in jail it won't work no song please don't send me to africa we're going to have to revise that for me it's going to be please don't send me north korea because if sarcasm is now a sin i will be in jail faster than kim jong un can launch a nuclear missile but this is from the telegraph kim jong un bans sarcasm in north korea fearing people will only agree <laughs> because he fears people will only agree with him ironically north korea's kim jong un has banned sarcasm In his country, government officials were apparently warned they will not be forgiven if they are heard being sarcastic. Mass meetings were organized across the country to spread the word about the new order. Our state security official personally organized a meeting to alert local residents to potential hostile actions by internal rebellious elements. Radio Free Asia's Korean services quoted a source as saying, the main point of the lecture was keep your mouth shut (laughs) one of the banned phrases it actually says phases in this article typo over at the telegraph one of the banned phrases is this is all America's fault alluding to Mr. Kim's default position of blaming the US for everything that goes wrong This habit of the central authorities of blaming the wrong country when a problem's cause obviously lies elsewhere has led citizens to mock the party. Mr. Kim is apparently referred to as, quote, a fool who cannot see the outside world, unquote, by government workers who could not understand why he did not attend commemorations in Russia and China to mark the anniversary of the end of the Second World War. Well, because he's a petulant child dictator. That would be why. And now he has banned sarcasm. So now it is not only a crime to disagree with the Supreme Leader. Now if you even make a sarcastic comment, quoting his direct words, if you quote him in a sarcastic tone, this now will cause you to land in prison. And we have organized community meetings to make sure you know that thou shalt not be sarcastic in North Korea. Boy, it's a good thing that I'm not in charge of planes and stuff. Because I would be dropping leaflets of sarcasm just everywhere in North Korea. Just just because. Like, if I had a million dollars, I feel like there would be some way that you could just... And then, see, it would cause, like, an international incident. This is why... People have asked me before, you know, someday you're going to run for president? No, I really... This is why. It's just safer if I'm on the radio, where I can say outrageous things and everyone knows... You know, that it's sarcasm, which is banned in North Korea, by the way. But if I was, like, the president, that wouldn't work out well. It just wouldn't. (laughs) But it is time for me to tell you something. It's time for me to tell you that today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round and can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. Okay, we're going to play a song, because songs are good things to play, and then we'll be back to wrap things up with some more good news for your day, because it's about chocolate, and chocolate is good, especially dark chocolate, which also happens to be good for you. This is God of Wonders from David Wesley, stay with us. And welcome back. That was David Wesley with God of Wonders. I really like David Wesley. He's an independent artist. Does everything himself. Has his own studio. Most of his music is a cappella, but he also does uh does keyboard piano. He's got this little uh He's got a whole little setup. You can watch his stuff on YouTube. You can also download his music on iTunes. It's David Wesley. Really enjoy uh, his music and his ministry. Okay, the most important part of the show is here, the last segment where I share with you the thing you most need to know today. We talked about Hillary and what happens if she continues to be ill, whether she drops out during the election process or in between the election and the inauguration or or if she is elected. Continue. We talked about all that stuff, all the things. You can listen to it on the podcast if you missed it. But now, now it's time to talk about the really important thing you need to know. Because today, today, September 13th, 2016, is International Chocolate Day. Yes, my friends, it is International Chocolate Day. This is from patheos.com. Milton Hershey was born on this day in 1857, and the National Confectioners Association has declared with the full weight of the sugar lobby that this day be celebrated as International Chocolate Day. Works for me, particularly when I learn the principal way of celebrating is through the consumption of chocolate, I think ideally in large quantities. There is, however, a schism among the chocoholic community, as some would rather observe this glorious holiday on July 7th, the traditional day of some 466 years ago when chocolate was introduced to the previously deprived Europeans. However, the argument for today is pretty compelling, because until Mr. Hershey stepped onto the scene, chocolate was the treat of the rich. But he made it a people's delight, and while, okay, maybe, isn't, maybe it isn't the best chocolate in the world, it's pretty good. Starting in 1900, Mr. Hershey made chocolate affordable to the masses. He introduced the Hershey's Kiss to an unsuspecting public in 1907, and then completed the trifecta of yum by introducing a chocolate bar with almonds in 1908. During the Second World War, Milton Hershey produced chocolate bars to include in soldiers' rations. It is estimated they made more than 3 billion bars for the war effort. Mr. Hershey also turned out to be a good citizen. The Milton S. Hershey Foundation helps provide educational and cultural opportunities in the city of Hershey, Pennsylvania. He and his spouse, Catherine, established the Milton Hershey School, originally the Hershey Industrial School, and eventually transferred the majority of profits to the school. Originally, it was developed for impoverished white male orphans. It has long since expanded its mission. Today, the 2,000 ser- students served has a majority of girls. Just under half of the student body are white. 30% are African American, 11% Hispanic, a tad less than 1% Native American, and 12% are counted as other. Among notable alumnia- alumni of the Milton Hershey School are sports figures Nellie King, Gary Gillian, and Joe Senser, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Tyramain Lee, and DeSha Dyer. Current White House social secretary. The school founded the Penn State Milton Hershey Medical Center with an initial endowment of $60 million, with the sole restriction that the hospital be located in Hershey. With stumbles along the way, of course, today the profits of Hershey's products support some very good things. And we support Hershey by being, buying those delicious Hershey, Hershey bars. So, whether you're into Hershey's bars or Kisses or something maybe a little bit more upscale, today you should eat your chocolate proudly and this this article is good but it really doesn't do it justice to the Milton Hershey story which is just incredible if you are ever in central Pennsylvania you should go to the Hershey Museum go to the Hershey factory they give you free chocolate at the end that alone is reason to visit the Hershey factory if you go on their tour which they show you how they make chocolate and all this kind of stuff and at the end they give you chocolate it's great especially on International Chocolate Day. If you happen to be listening in Pennsylvania, you can go get free chocolate at the Hershey factory. And then, of course, they now have Hershey Park. But the Milton Hershey School is phenomenal. I have friends that are uh, that are um, dorm parents at the Milton Hershey School. It, this school is incredible. Milton Hershey and his wife were amazing individuals who did so much more. We remember them for their chocolate, but I'm telling you, Look up Milton Hershey. Check out his life today. If you want a fun thing to do with your kids for International Chocolate Day, study the life of the guy who brought chocolate to the masses. He loved God, and his passion was to see that kids that nobody else cared about would have a shot in life. And today, the Milton Hershey School still exists. It helps underprivileged kids, kids that have been abandoned by society, kids that you know, it was nobody nobody wanted seemingly, and they get to go. They they stay in these. They're raised in homes. It's not your typical uh, boarding school at all. The individuals will give up their uh, their time and they'll live as what they call dorm parents. But it's not just they're in a dorm. They get a house and then they'll get you know seven or eight uh, students that they raise as a, their family. You know, and if they have kids and their kids are there too, but they raise these kids. In a house as a family unit, they do things together. They work together. Then the kids go to school. They they operate just like a normal family would, with mom and dad and then these kids. It's 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 incredible what the Milton Hershey School uh, was founded to do and what it continues to do uh, today. So shout out to the Hershey family. It's about much more than chocolate, but it is International Chocolate Day, so you should enjoy whatever chocolate happens to come into your life today. In fact, I might have some right now because I'm about to put on a song for you, which means that I can stuff my mouth with chocolate. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Remember, our Liberty Strong Conference continues tonight at Liberty Baptist Church, 7 o'clock at 6501 West Lakeby Boulevard, or you can stream us online. This is Chris Tomlin with Greater. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, everyone.